0: Welcome in to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, Season Two, Episode Two. I'm your co-host Seth Woolcock, joined by my co-host Tom Kuda. Tom, how you doing today, buddy? Oh, I am doing just fabulous. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Uh, we're a week into this site launch. Again, this is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at Between underscore Seth FF. You can find Tom on Twitter, at Thomas Kuda. You can find the show, the site, InBetweenMedia.com, on Twitter as well, at IBT underscore Media. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Uh, We're available iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Blueberry, and Deezer, and everywhere else you can find your podcasts. Again, a great first week of launch. Thank you for all the support out there. All the feedback has been awesome and phew, it's been a it's been a wild ride so far and before we jump into the show, I think we have something a little bigger than fantasy sports to talk about. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, I feel like we'd be remiss to not mention the You know, police killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all the protests and everything that have been happening
0: pretty much every day for the last like two and a half weeks at this point? Absolutely. I'm somebody who's always, you know, tried to shy away from politics, especially when it comes to sports. But this is not about politics, this is about people. We have to try to make a difference here. We have to try to use our platform to, you know, help people realize that Black Lives Matter. And we can't just throw up a couple fist emojis and call it good at the end of the day. We have to stand here and make a difference, and we're going to try. Tom, you had a very powerful column. It was your first, you know, your debut column here at In Between Media last week, Sunshine on the Sideline, Black Lives Matter. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, um, I I had, you know, basically spent two or three weeks just trying to get myself ready and, you know, write my first column, having some fun, trying to figure out where I wanted to go with it. And then, you know, the killings of Brianna Taylor and George Floyd started to come to light. And with all of the social upheaval and, um, you know, people just fighting for their most basic rights to not have to fear for their life and interactions with a force that's meant to protect us. Um, I didn't feel right writing about fantasy football, but what I realized in trying to have, you know, difficult talks with my family and friends and people that I went to high school with, was it's really a conversation, like you said, that shouldn't be political. This this should not be a political matter. Um, so I decided that maybe it would be best to write The fantasy football article but make sure that i included the conversation about you know supporting black lives matter and making sure that it takes you know front and center and that we have that talk in every part of our life instead of just where it's socially acceptable to talk about
0: yeah i i couldn't say better myself tom uh thank you for writing that column thank you for i know it was a really tough one for you to write with all the different emotions you were feeling at the time but I think that is that is what you know it's part of the healing process and I think that your words they at least affected me they inspired me and I definitely hope there were some other people who read that and took something something from that and I think it made it all all the worth it you know for that so thank you for that um I think we just move. We're going to move forward here on the show. What do you say we head on into some headline hijinks, Tom? Sounds good to me. (laughs) Dalvin Cook threatens to hold out. Don't forget to tip the cook, but not as much as your server. Cook pulls a bell, threatens to hold out until payday. All right, Tom. So Dalvin Cook, uh, him and his team released a statement that he will hold out uh, unless he gets a quote reasonable contract offer. Where where is his value now? Let's start. You know, primarily in a redraft league, he was going somewhere around five to seven in redrafts. Where does he? Where is he now in your ranks?
1: Um, right now, I mean, I'm, I'm literally looking at it right now. He's still sitting in just the running back pool. He's sitting at number five. Um, to me, I'm looking at the list below. you see Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs. Arguably, I would take any of them over the uncertainty of him missing however many games he misses. Because let's face it, running backs are really at a disadvantage right now. They By the time their rookie contracts are out, they're – pretty well old news for the vast majority of them so and Dalvin Cook has a really bad injury history I'm just not sure that they're going to pay him and I worry that this one could actually extend into a big
0: chunk of the season yeah he doesn't have leverage I mean he's been injured multiple times already and it seems like Kirk Cousins the servers I mentioned he's got the bag Uh, Luckily, Stephon Diggs is traded. I think if Diggs was there, there was no chance for him to get this extension at all. But yeah, I mean, for me, I can't take Joe Mixon over him because Mixon also has that holdout uh, concern that no one's really talking about. So I can't take Mixon over him and Derrick Henry, I'll take him over and Josh Jacobs. But he's still for me, I mean, if he comes back and by August, this could all be cleared up. And that's when I'm going to say 90% of redrafts are taking place anyways. But yeah, it, it definitely puts him you know somewhere I'd still take him if he fell if he me in, in the back half of the second round there easily. So for me, I think
1: you know I, I would take cooks. I, I'd probably push off to the I don't know. you're right, maybe like the last couple picks of the second, early third, like if he's fallen to me, I'll take him, but I definitely don't want him. I usually run first and second round draft RBs, and I don't want him to be in my first two picks if I can help it. I think the only reason I'm more optimistic about the Joe Mixon situation is because the Bengals, they don't have a ton more cap space than the Vikings, but the Bengals don't have a whole lot of people to pay right now. Right. Like, they could easily just throw a big contract at Joe Mixon and make sure that Burrow has all the weapons he can handle for the first few years that they're there. But I, I don't know. You're right. I, I definitely can't... Um, I personally would still go with Joe Mixon, but I could understand somebody didn't want to take him over Dalvin Cook, given that they're both might hold out.
0: Mixon right now, I'm in a mock as we speak, and he went in the first round. I think he was about pick 9 or 10, which so his ADP is climbing. My final thought on Dalvin Cook here is we have seen these holdouts burn fantasy owners. Uh, go back to Le'Veon Bell, I believe it was 2018. He was taken number two overall in most leagues, but we've also seen it go back to the year that Zeke threatened to hold out last year, and then even when he was suspended that one year, he still paid off for that, that maybe second, third round pick you spent on him. So, I don't know, I I think sometimes you have to gamble to win leagues, it's just how early are you willing to gamble on this one. Yeah, that's true, and that's a good point. It really does depend on your risk tolerance
1: level, you know, like just depend on the type of player you are, whether or not you value the potential benefit to the risk versus right. taking like, like yeah. down on a normal day, I wouldn't take Derrick Henry over anybody. But if, you
0: know, it's between him
1: and Cook, I kind of like to take the safer play, so I'd probably yes. just draft
0: Henry. Yeah, I would draft Henry over him as well. All right, let's move forward here. Henry Ruggs hurts himself during the move. Henry tugs a hammy in the U-Haul. I put all of my things on the U-Haul.
1: Henry cut a rug. Henry Ruggs injures himself moving.
0: When I first saw this headline, I laughed. I mean, it's it's one of those like small things. Tom, you even said it before the show. If if the, there are actually sports going on right now, this wouldn't even be a headline. But this is kind of where we're at.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it's a little sparse on the news. Besides Dalvin Cook holding out. <laughs>
0: But does this mean anything for you? Is this a sign of future things to come? He's been compared in the past to players like Will Fuller, and I'm not a huge fan of that comparison because we've seen Will Fuller's hammies go down at you know the drop of a of a thimble. So I, I don't know. Does it mean anything for you in your ranks? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it seemed
1: most of it was just him cutting a cutting himself on like a couch or whatever hit him in the U-Haul. Um. I, I wouldn't really pay too much mind to it. I mean, also in redraft, Henry Ruggs is like a deep, deep flyer. If you end up picking him up at all, so if you know week one or two, he for some reason like his hamstring is still tight, then yeah, maybe I'll dump him in and pick up somebody else. But for now, I think it's fairly innocent.
0: Yeah, he he is actually. People are really counting him out already. I've seen a lot of redraft wide receiver rankings and. He's not even the first on his team rank. They have Edwards going over him. So I think Ruggs is kind of worth that, you know, late gamble. And, yeah, maybe this pushes him down a spot or two in my personal ranks. But, I mean, at that point, they're all so close together. It doesn't really matter anyways. Yeah. Todd Gurley passes physical. Is officially a Falcon. Return of the Gurley. Todd Gurley officially in Atlanta. 28 to 3-Dum. Is this what the Falcons need to eventually make another Super Bowl run and get out of the shadow of that 28-3 loss to the Patriots? Tom, what are your thoughts on this headline?
1: Uh, Mostly, I think, again, I chalk up the note that he passed a physical to us being bored because there's no sports. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it is good that his knee has not gotten worse to the point where a doctor would be like, hey, we have some serious problems here. But I think... Todd Gurley's outlook remains largely the same as it was, you know, when we officially learned that he was going to be on the Falcons, where it's like a mix of, holy crap, is he going to break his leg or is he going to be like, you know, top 10 guy again?
0: Yeah, so my, my biggest takeaway from this, and again, I'm in a redraft mock right now, so I've been looking around at ADPs, is before this, a mock I did about a month ago before this news came out, Todd Gurley was going somewhere in the mid-fourth to back end of the fourth. After this, he went 3.5 in this mock draft. So I think his ADP is going up because of it, but I think Todd Gurley could be a top-12 guy this year. He's certainly pretty high up in my ranks, and I think Matt Ryan, has. we've seen him willing to dump the ball off to those running backs, and I think maybe he's that missing piece they've needed. Maybe Devontae Freeman... Wasn't the guy we thought he was At least for the last two, three years He hasn't been
1: Yeah, I mean, I could agree with that I I think, again, personally My lower risk tolerance Would probably lead to me Not necessarily taking the shot at Gurley But if I, you know, managed Really good rounds One through three And I were looking for somewhere To maybe up my value If I could catch him at the early fourth Maybe I'd scoop him And just see what happens I mean, the Falcons do like to you know, they, they like to put the ball in the running back's hands, so he could really end up being worth a heck of a lot of value.
0: I don't think he has any competition. I think that's one of the biggest things for me. He's got Eo Smith, Brian Hill, and Quadri Olson back there. I think to me, Tom, who would you take? Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and we'll move forward here. Who would you take out of those three? Oh, well, you gotta... <laughs> well truth be told, I would
1: probably lean down probably David Johnson but it's like splitting hairs like I would take either or if they were presented to me but I think I'm
0: just a little bit more in the David
1: Johnson camp
0: I'm a few spots high, higher on girly than Johnson I like Johnson after that I don't want Lev Bell yeah I'm, I'm kind of out
1: of that too Adam Gase is not a not a fan of mine and certainly no friend of Le'Veon Bell's
0: so I'm just gonna <laughs> avoid that whole thing <laughs> I feel so bad for Adam Gase and his family he just like even even already, he's gotten shit-talked on two of our podcasts, and I'm sure we are not the only ones right now. So, no good luck, way. Adam. Let's, let's move forward.
1: Gardner Minshew, working out six days a week since Super Bowl, trying to improve speed and agility. Minshew Mania Season 2, Reign of the Florida Man.
0: Mustache Man, making moves to help the Jags on their last place Vegas odds.
1: Alrighty, so what um, what do you think about Gardner Minshew? I mean, he's definitely a polarizing figure. I'm sure a lot of people just write him off as like Blake Bortles 2.0, but I'm curious to hear what you think.
0: Yeah, so Gardner Minshew is actually an interesting name. Nobody has talked about him all off season. I think it is a little peculiar Uh Last year, you know, weeks two through nine, he was QB 11 ahead of guys like Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, before Nick Foles came back. I think he looked good that at that time. Yeah, I mean, the Jaguars' defense is scary right now to me. I think, as I mentioned, they actually have the lowest odds for like their total wins. They're at 4.5 right now, so they're projected to get last place in the NFL. I think Gardner Minshew won't let that happen, and... I think he's definitely a guy you should, you know, maybe consider as a streamer this season. He's free in drafts, but overall, I think, again, this is just a small little thing. He could have that Tom Brady like work ethic that goes in his favor. What's your thoughts on it, Tom? Um,
1: my thoughts are, like, I don't know, man. I like him. I like him as a person. I think he's just like an interesting character to have floating around in the NFL. Right. Um. <laughs> But on the football end of things, I am a big believer in streaming and redrafts, like especially single quarterback leagues. Like I'm not going to pick a quarterback before the seventh round probably. Yeah. No yeah. way. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to wait, hold back. And Minshew's the kind of person where I, he's the kind of guy that I maybe, you know, if I'm going to find other good value that late, I might just push down a few more rounds and scoop him up for free. Just for the sake of, like you said, the Jags are slated to literally be last in the NFL, which means a lot of games are there behind. A lot of games where minchu has got to be throwing the ball a lot. And he proved a, a really effective game manager last year. And I think people do take that for granted as far as floor production is. You know, I kind of look at the quarterback position in redraft as more of a I need to get so many points a week to be viable to win, and as long as they hit that mark, I truly don't care beyond that. And I think, I think he's got that on um, pretty well locked down. Hopefully, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, I can't fight you on that strategy. I think quarterbacks are one of the most overvalued position as far as redraft goes. And yeah, if you want a late round flyer, uh, super flex leagues. Minshew's interesting in as well. So yeah, I like it. I do as well. Tom, what do you say we hop into some in the scope, find some players we're zeroing in on, and some players that we're kind of letting go.
1: Yeah, dude, I'm I'm excited for this one. I'm I'm glad to like you know get to talk about some people that we're really looking forward to, and some people that we're really cooling off on quick. I have the in my Requesting permission to engage. In the scope.
0: So my first locking in target this week is joe burrow i'm gonna i'm gonna plant this flag now and i'm going to go out on a limb here and say joe burrow is going to be a qb1 this season history is on his side two of the last three number one overall quarterbacks who've played a full rookie season have been qb1's luck in his rookie season and kyler murray last year and Jameis winston he was the only one who wasn't and that was in 2015 when he was qb13 Like you said, Tom, I don't want to take a QB early in redrafts, and no one's looking at Joe Burrow right now.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, like I said, I know for, for, you know, me personally, I definitely try my best, no matter how excited I am in redraft, especially to stay away from first-year quarterbacks because I never want to have to roster two if I can help it, um, unless obviously it's a two-quarterback league, in which case Joe Burrow, I think, is a really good second quarterback, but for the most part, I, I I don't know, man. I don't know how how I feel about trying to like lock him in as a QB1 on his first year. He's got good weapons. I just don't know how much I trust Cincinnati's coaching staff.
0: You know, that is a very fair point. Uh, I just wanted you to keep in mind, though, that you know the Bengals' defense is bad. It did not get too much better in the draft this season. They spent their first two picks on offensive players, and... The Bengals last season six in the league in attempts and while their passing touchdowns percentage was, you know, towards the I think it was thirty-first in the league, Burrow led the college game last season with an eleven percent passing touchdown rating, and he can rush more than people think. I think he's the type of guy who is a Josh Allen light here in his rookie season, and I think he's gonna be that big value that no one's talking about.
1: I mean, let's hope you're right and, uh, you know, see how he does. I, I still
0: – I'll err on the side of sub-12 in positioning. All right, we'll have to find some type of betting system uh, to come into the season with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That'll make this way more fun. <laughs> All
0: right, who are you locking in
1: on, Tom? Um, For me, and I I feel as though we probably will have some more beef here soon, uh, J.K. Dobbins is who I'm locking in on. Um, I know I talked about him last week, um, but I really, you know, everything that I've seen on him, everything that I've – I just have this gut feeling that by the end of this season, he's going to be the lead guy in a very much run-first offense because they want Lamar to stop running, Ingram's getting old, and he's going to be, you know, the next – Three down back for them, in my opinion. I just think that his ADP right now in redraft is about a hundred and one, which puts him in the same category as like Philip Lindsay, Matt Breida, Tariq Cohen, and I don't know about you, but I will certainly be picking him above all of those people.
0: <laughs> J.K. Dobbins, I can't commit to him. I didn't see enough in the in the passing game last year that makes me think that he can have a lot of PPR value, and if he went to a team, you know, let's say Miami, that didn't have anyone, I'd be more on him. But, I mean, it's not just Mark Ingram for me. It's Gus the bus. I mean, he was a stud two years ago. And then Justice Hill, he, they spent a third-round pick on him. I think, yes, like we said last week, Lamar's rushing totals are going to go down. I think that helps Dobbins, but it's hard for me to want part of a three- or four-headed committee here. Yeah,
1: I definitely get that. I think, like I said, I think I'm definitely just thinking more along the lines of Gustavus and Justice Hill are probably going to fall by the wayside. And in my imagination, like in the scenario I'm imagining, (laughs) if Mark Ingram is getting injured here, is kind of like... Like, he's clearly a late-round flyer. Like, I don't want anybody to take my word and then go draft J.K. Dobbins in, like, the fourth round, because I did not tell you to do that. (laughs) But... You know, when you're looking for those late-round people that turn into league winners by the end of the year, he's really someone that I am probably going to take heavily in redrafts this year. And, you know, again, it comes with the tempered expectations. If Mark Ingram stays healthy and he's there for 16 games, Mark Ingram's will be the 1A for the whole season. I'll guarantee it. But if he goes down in, like, week three or four, like, if he takes a soft tissue injury True. and he's gone for weeks, I just don't think that Edwards or Hill can— fill in the gap as well as Dobbins will.
0: No, that that's, that, that's a very formidable scenario. If, if Ingram w- were to go down with something, we never like to project injuries. But if he were somewhere earlier in the season, it, it might be hard for him to come back into that 1A job for sure. Absolutely. All right, so let's see. Who are you uh, letting go of this week? Yeah, so someone who I, I had a big target on Keyshawn Vaughn a couple weeks ago. And I still like Vaughn a lot, but his ADP is still pretty pretty high, uh, and it's cooling a little bit. And it's not, nothing against Keyshawn Vaughn, because I know in your uh, Dynasty article last week, Tom, you talked about the four criteria used to break down rookies. Yeah. The one thing that I loved about Vaughn when I looked into him more was his tape. I mean, he had an incredible season for Vanderbilt, and they were not very good. But with all that being said... I think Rojo, you know, Ronald Jones is still being very undervalued. He's going to be behind Keyshawn Vaughn in just about every league. He had 4.2 yards per carry to Payne Barber's 3.1 last season. He was second in the league at creating yards behind only Derrick Henry. And he was second in the league in yards per catch among running backs with 10.1 yards per reception. They didn't throw to him very much. He only had 31 receptions, but he only had one drop. I mean... I like Rojo. I think Rojo is going to be a value here later in drafts, and I like Keyshawn Vaughn, but I think, I think again, I think it's a 1A, 1B, and I think Rojo is going really late for someone who has a chance to be a starter, and I think people need to temper their expectations for Keyshawn Vaughn a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, and this is one that I, I definitely will agree with you on. Um, I don't have any personal issues with, like, Keyshawn Vaughn himself, his tape, his attitude, anything like that, but you're right, I, like— Ronald Jones actually did, like, kind of quietly step up his game last year. Bruce Arians wants to run the ball, and they invested a lot in their offensive line. Now, granted, that was mostly for protecting Tom Brady, but that probably will have the added benefit of cracking open good running lanes. And if Ronald Jones is the 1A to Vaughn's 1B, you know, it it could definitely be worth just saving yourself the – you know, you could pick somebody better than Keyshawn Vaughn in the round that he's supposed to go in and then take Ronald Jones later on. Yes. It's a totally, that's a totally viable situation. I definitely want a running back out of Tampa. Like I really like the backfield this year. Cause I think they're going to have to run a lot. And Tom Brady likes to, he's definitely shown an affinity in the last few years for, you know, dumping short passes off to running back. So just depending on how things roll, I, I really would like to have a piece of that backfield, and I
0: kind of agree with you that Ronald Jones might be the piece I prefer more for a cheaper price. That's yeah. And in redraft, price means everything. I don't care how much I love a player, if your ADP is too high, I'm not going to draft you.
1: Yeah, you're right. If if Rojo and Keyshawn Vaughn were going right next to each other, I'd take Vaughn in a heartbeat. But Rojo's cheap enough comparatively that I think I would rather go with him. Right. And who are you letting go of, Tom? Who's who's walking out of your sights? Um, for this week, for me, it is DeAndre Swift. Stick shifts and safety belts. I, I was a big carry-on Johnson truther, uh, but I've been looking through the Lions' record. <laughs> you know, we all know when carry-on Johnson came on that the Lions hadn't had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2013, and I swore on my life that he was going to be the first one to break it. Obviously, that didn't happen. And the last three seasons, Detroit has run on just thirty-eight percent of their plays, making them twentieth in the league. Last year, it was like, I believe thirty-six percent is what I had here, um, and that was with Matt Patricia paying lip service to wanting to run the ball more. I, like Kerryon Johnson's still there; it's not like he's gone. So they're going to go into the same like the thing that a lot of teams are doing, where they have the one A, one B but this is like the exact opposite of Tampa Bay where they're just not they they're not going to run the ball that much I don't think and you know even if Swift ends up as the 1A and gets half of 38% of the plays you know is, is that really going to turn into the kind of value that you want now in dynasty I'll sure I'll I'll take the shot on Swift and see where he goes but Right now Swift is going about 65 for his ADP and underneath him is Cam Akers and Tyler Boyd most notably for me where if I'm in the position that Swift looks like the next best option I'm probably going to reach for Akers and take the opportunity that he's going to have in Los Angeles or shoot even reach for Boyd because he's a young developing player who's been who's shown an affinity to be like really good on the field and now he's going to have a new quarterback and they could move into the next generation together, kind of. So those are just two options that I would take over him. Tom, the, like, made great arguments
0: to here, but I, I couldn't disagree with you more. I think Swift is going to be – I mean, I think Matt Patricia is in a, a win now or he's, he's see it later mode right now. I think Swift was that second-round pick. He's got that price tag on his head. I think they're going to throw him in it as that 1A and I'm a Tyler Boyd truther, man. I have loved Tyler Boyd for years. He was my all-in pick last season. But I will tell you, a hundred times out of a hundred, most likely, depending on the structure of my team, but most likely, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Swift there over him. And I don't like, I don't think Cam Akers is going to be the guy this season, just because there's too much competition there. Offensive line is still not addressed. But I mean, again, you make valid points. I Detroit has not had a a 1000 yard rusher since 2013. They've never been in the top half of the league in rushing since uh Barry Sanders was there in 98. So, I'm totally with you on that, but I think Swift's going to be a good pass catcher. I think that that's where he's going to make up for some of this.
1: That could be I can respect that. That's you know, that's a a, a good argument as well. Um I guess again, this would be another perfect situation where we could just betting for later on in the season.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. O- honestly, the lions, the lions are my big sleeper team this season. I, I, th- I, haven't solidified it yet, but right now I'm in the lions camp. I think they're going to be a playoff team, and I think they're going to contend. Listen,
1: I hope you're right because the lions have been my sleep. They were my sleeper team last year, and I think I'm still just a little
0: burnt by how that went for me. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I understand. I understand. All right. Why don't we catch everyone up on some weekly advice here? Jump into that a little bit. All right, sounds good to me. Let's uh let's get into
1: it. What do you got for me? Weekly advice.
0: So, I'm going to give some some people some fantasy advice starting out uh when you're in a mock and or when you you know just join a league i want you to always read the draft league scoring settings before you make your first pick so i think it was friday i was out uh my buddy justin carp at dff carp on twitter great follow there uh and he invited me into a mock draft he was doing some uh redraft rankings and we had just recently been in a mock together it was a super flex tight end premium mock got in there and yeah it gets about the eighth pick and I'm like wow George Kittle is still on the board like all these RBs are going and Lamar Jackson wasn't taken, and Pat Mahomes wasn't taken. I'm like oh my gosh like so I was like I saw Kittle there I really wanted Kittle so I was like I'll take Kittle thinking it was a tight end premium league or a super flex Um, here it comes back around then to me at my second pick and Lamar Jackson is still on the board. I'm like giddy. I'm like, there's no way. Like, what is going on? And then I look at the league, the scoring, and it's a regular redraft PPR league. And I drafted George Kittle eighth overall. <laughs> oh
1: man, that's a that's a rough one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it really like made it hard. It really made it hard for the rest of the the draft because I'm sitting there and someone's like, oh, do you want to? Do you guys actually want to play out this league? And I'm like, no. No. Yeah, I was going to
1: say, I don't think that's any pick you want to be stuck with (laughs) for the whole season.
0: I felt bad. I felt really bad because I kind of threw off, you know, again, this is for rankings, this is for ADP figuring it out, and I just take him in ninth overall. So definitely read those draft league settings, scoring, everything before you get into it. Tom, what do you have?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's a great bit of advice. And, you know, if other people learn from your accidents, that's a good thing. Um For me, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, talent versus opportunity. Um, This is something that when I first started, I was dead set on the talent end of that argument. Like if there was a player that I knew was just better than somebody else, I would always draft that person. And what I started to figure out was if you you take a player who shows a great, great skill set, but... The coach or whatever, the team doesn't like them that much, and they don't get use. like, what good is that to you? I mean, you could kind of look at, like, Le'Veon Bell's situation right now, even, where he's got the proven, you know, results. You literally could hand him the ball as men, as much as you want to in a game, and he's going to do great things with it. But Adam Gates and him don't get along at all. And there's so many other running backs that just have better opportunities that I would rather have. So in no world do I think that, you know, somebody like Jonathan Taylor, for instance, is better than, you know, Le'Veon Bell at his best. But even though Jonathan Taylor is running four spots, five spots lower on ADP, I'm probably gonna take the shot on him because Indianapolis wants Jonathan Taylor. They wanted him to touch the football. So that opportunity oftentimes said more. I mean, just look even at, like, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Going into draft night, he was not the number one running back coming off the board for the rookies. No, yeah, maybe four, and, maybe five. Yeah. And then he gets picked up by, you know, the, team, by the, the Chiefs, just won a Super Bowl, and boom, next morning, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, like, the number one poster child for the 2020 rookie season. <laughs>
0: That's how it goes, man. That's how it goes. And I, I couldn't agree more with you. It's it's all an opportunity. Talent does play a good role in it, but, I mean, that opportunity has to be there.
1: Yeah, it's just got to be, or you're going to end up sad and disappointed like I was with all these good players on my bench who weren't playing.
0: <laughs> and then, yeah, and then you trade Kenny and Drake, when he, and then he goes to the Cardinals and is a beast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I
1: don't want to talk about that. <laughs>
0: Anyway, so let's see,
1: uh, what else do you have for me this week?
0: Yeah, so uh, my, my big thing, and specifically after this site launch, we launched our site, it was last Wednesday, June 10th, and one of the articles I put out was actually an interview I did with former ESPN producer and now Sports Spectrum host, Jason Romano, and something he told me in that interview is, you know, when you're first starting something like this, don't get caught up in the numbers. It's not about the numbers. This is about people and other people and inspiring other people and making the world a better place. So, uh, you know, anyone out there who's doing anything, whether it's just, you know, running a social media page or running a website or a podcast or whatever it is, don't get caught up in the numbers. This is about people and this is bigger than us. And I want to thank Jason for that advice because I think that's something I'll carry for, you know, the rest of my life.
1: Yeah, that's some really great, like, heartfelt personal advice. Um, I mean, it does does mean a lot to have somebody kind of help realign your thinking so you're not so focused on things that can make you put the wrong parts of your endeavor above everything else.
0: Absolutely. What about you, Tom? What do you got for us? Close it out here in Weekly Advice.
1: Uh, for me my second piece of weekly advice is a little less to do with fantasy football a little more to do with real life um, I sometimes have the affinity and I know many other people in our generation and younger do where social media can just kind of take everything over um, I have definitely especially between like the pandemic the protests mm-hmm. and you know I mean even shoot just wanted to stay caught up on fantasy football stuff uh, I have spent a, a fairly large amount of time on social media every day, probably upwards of like two, three hours, which is just a lot, like it's way too much. Mm-hmm. And so what I've decided to do is something that I've done in the past. And I think something I want to make re- a more regular feature um, where starting you know on one Sunday, I'll say, put social media away and then I'll come back the following Monday. So I'll take a week off, just to kind of try to recenter myself a little, make sure that I'm more present in the moment. You know, that doesn't mean that I won't go I'll you know, instead of being on social media, I'll go look up news that I wanna know. Like if I wanna learn about, you know, a player or something, I'll go hop on ESPN or right. sleeper. But I'll make sure that it's constructive, that I'm seeking, I'm an active participant in what I wanna know instead of just scrolling and right. taking in whatever is put in front of my face.
0: No, and and that is completely understandable. And social media is—it's a very—it's a tricky situation because you know for what we're doing, especially you know the fancy football community, which I'm very grateful for, is so active on Twitter, so involved. So you can hop on there at any time and you know kind of read some things that make you make you smile a little bit, and you know you do get some great things from it. But that is often you know before I really started this journey with the podcast and with my columns and everything that's the one thing i didn't do was post on social media enough to get myself out there but there's also you know a sense of living in the moment and not having to not having to worry about documenting everything and just really being present i, I couldn't agree more tom it's a very strong message thank you for that
1: yeah absolutely
0: next we get to go to the best part uh good news
1: you know we get to talk about happy stuff let's do it Happy, happy. What uh, What good news do you have for us this week?
0: Yeah, so uh, the source I'm using for this good news is Good News Network. Definitely check them out. I want to plug them a little bit. They do an awesome job of just Writing a bunch of good stories, good heartfelt, make you feel good and inspiring stories. So this one comes to us uh, by Michael Goonen. It was posted last week. It's about a, a teen that helped clean up the city for 10 hours after the protest. And you know Buffalo Bills Mafia up there, of course, give shout out to them as well. They you know they responded to this. This kid, he went out. Uh, his name is Antonio Gwyn Jr. Uh, He's a high school senior from Buffalo. He went out about 2 a.m. a night after the protest and continued cleaning up until noon the next day. Uh, Basically, there was an organization that had set to go clean up at at 10 in the morning, and when they got there, they were very shocked to see uh, Antonio there cleaning, and he had already done most of the work, but... I mean so Antonio hats off to you that was an incredible incredible story to hear hear about a young man who was just dedicated to helping his city uh you know get back to where it needs to be and you know so thank him for that but uh the one thing that I thought was amazing is some a local man was actually getting rid of an old uh an old convertible Mustang a red one and he didn't want to sell it he didn't feel like he could so he actually gave it to Antonio and Antonio like had goosebumps and he actually told somebody that his mother who had passed away in 2018 also drove a red Mustang. So kind of very, very, I mean, whatever you are, spiritual, religious, it's a very powerful story. Uh, He also ended up getting a full scholarship to college out of this, as well as the mayor offered him a job at the, at the town hall building. So hats off to Antonio and the wonderful Full community of Buffalo for really rallying around this very special young man.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really awesome story. I mean, it's it's always nice to see that, you know, I mean, unfortunately, there there are some people who try to take advantage of, you know, peaceful protests and stuff. And I I think the thing I've seen a lot of is how the people in the community who were the ones protesting or you know who support it will just turn around and clean up you know you know if people try to do stuff to harm their community they'll come together and, and clean and take care of one another and you know i think it's awesome to see stuff like this where somebody will go out of their way to go and do something really thoughtful and caring for everyone around them
0: yeah really really means a lot for you know gen z i think a lot of gen z has gotten a lot of flack coming into coming into 2020 really just because you know we are a generation uh i mean tom i guess you would be considered millennial i'm right on that line but gen z always gets a lot of flack because we've you know grew up in our phones but i mean gives you a lot of hope moving forward and keep keep doing you antonio keep doing you people like antonio tom what do you have for us Oh, well,
1: for me, I actually ended up changing mine last minute because this morning, the United States Supreme Court ruled that employers cannot discriminate against LGBTQ workers. Um, now, this is, I mean, I, I think a fairly historic ruling. Um, they took a case from 1964, uh, like a civil rights case from 1964 that bans employers from discriminating against workers um, for race. And they expanded it to cover the LGBTQ community, um, which is really awesome. It's like it's a shame that we haven't had these kind of cover, this kind of protection for people before. Um, one of the cases that they used, because they absorbed a few cases up to make this decision, um, one of them was. Uh, somebody, a, a transgender woman got fired because her boss basically said that she would be a detriment to the company for like being employed there, which is just, it's a terrible thing to say that to a human being, to treat people like that. And I'm glad that we are taking steps to make sure that people can feel you know, safe and comfortable when they get work and know that it's not going to be you know, something that they can't control about themselves that gets them punished or treated poorly at work.
0: Right. I, you know, I woke up and I saw this news, and it was a wonderful thing to wake up on a Monday morning and see something this big happening. And, you know, this again, this really puts back in the light that change is coming if we keep, you know, having these difficult conversations that. Again, they're not easy to talk about. You can say the wrong thing accidentally, but just being there for other people, accepting one another, it doesn't matter, you know, your skin color, your sexuality, it it doesn't matter. And I, you know, I think that's a very powerful powerful thing that happened today, and thank you for sharing that, Tom.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, any last words, Tom, uh for our listeners before we send them out into their weeks? Um, I mean, I hope everybody has a great week. I hope everything's going
1: well. Oh, one last note I guess I would have. Uh, June 19th is Juneteenth, a holiday that we should all know and celebrate, but unfortunately a holiday that, you know, growing up in a small town in the middle of nowhere, I had no idea existed until I was like 19. Um, It's basically a celebration of the, like, official final end of slavery in the United States. Um, so if you've never heard of it, please look it up, um, you know, mark it on your calendars. It's, it's truly a great day, um, something that we definitely don't talk about often enough.
0: So that's my parting words. Absolutely, absolutely. Coming up with the wisdom as always, thank you, Tom, for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for joining us, supporting the show, supporting the website. Again, I, my name's Seth Woolcock. you can find me on Twitter at Between underscore Seth F. You can find my co-host, my brother, at Thomas Kuda on the bird. And then you can follow the show, follow the site on Twitter at IBT underscore media. Thanks again. Subscribe to the podcast. Available iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Take it easy, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Take care.